You know, it is amazing that within the span of one week, as Christians, we experience the full range of emotions from great sorrow to great joy. Because today is a day of rejoicing because of our risen Lord. Let's go ahead and pray before we open up God's word. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this, this wonderful occasion that we have to celebrate your resurrection, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son to come and die on a cross for all of our sins and for raising him up three days later. I pray, Lord, that as we move forward this morning that you would just allow us to stay focused on you this morning and just allow your word to seep into our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, if you would open up your Bibles to John chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 18. This is the resurrection of Christ. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene uh, went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and, and, the other disciple, or sorry, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple uh, and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down uh, and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he himself, or sorry, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away uh, again into their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stood down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and, other, and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. It did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, 
for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. See, this amazing story, Jesus being raised from the dead. Now the question that I want to ask this morning and attempt to answer is why? Why? Why should we believe that this happened? Why is this event so important to us? Why should you personally believe in this? My attempt to answer these questions to morning, this morning. But first of all, we should believe in the resurrection because of the fact that it happened. So this isn't just some event. This is not allegory here. This isn't just a story being told. This event happened. It is a historical fact. You know, some would like to say that, well, it's impossible that someone could raise from the dead, therefore it didn't happen. And they use all kinds of scientific knowledge to try to explain this away. But, you know, just because we say that we, we think something is impossible doesn't mean it didn't happen. When people, many people, saw the risen Lord alive after he had been crucified, well, the problem is not with that. It's more so with us not being able to explain it. So just because we can't explain it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Let's go ahead and, and turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And go ahead and keep your fingers there throughout this sermon. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read verses 3 through 8. Because Paul says a very profound statement here about the resurrection. It says, For I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. But some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then, last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. And so, Paul says a lot of things here in these verses to prove uh, that Jesus was raised from the dead. First of all, he says that he was crucified, uh, and he was buried, and rose again the third day. And he says these things according to the scriptures. Now, what is Paul referring to when he says according to the scriptures? Because he's not referring to the Gospels because those hadn't been written yet. And so what Paul is referring to here is the Old Testament scriptures. 
What Paul is saying is that Jesus died and was buried and rose again according to Old Testament prophecy. And so this, these were things that were spoken about before Jesus' time, and Jesus actually fulfilled those things. One of these prophecies is in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 8 through 10. It says, He was taken out of prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of many people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And so this prophecy here is talking about the Messiah being cut off from the land of living. But then after that, that the Lord would see that and prolong his days. And so this is prophecy about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so Jesus did that exactly according to this prophecy. Another prophecy that is pointed to uh, actually by uh, the apostles later uh, when they are preaching the resurrection is in Psalm 16. This is verses 8 through 11. This is David speaking. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also will rest. Uh, sorry, my flesh also will rest in hope for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your holy one to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so. You might think, well, that's just David talking, but David could not have been speaking about himself, as the apostles would later say. The, the apostles would later say that this scripture could not have applied to David because David stayed dead. David did see corruption. That's talking about the rot after your body dies. Whereas the Holy One would not see that. And so... This was all prophesied about. And Jesus' resurrection, it happened according to this prophecy. Like I said, the apostles referred to this in Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. So don't take my word for it. Take the apostles' word for it. Acts chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. It says... For David says, concerning him, talking about Jesus, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. 
Moreover, my flesh will also rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. So Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected according to prophecy. Now, something we have to understand is that the book of Acts, it was written at a time where a lot of people were still alive uh, that had seen these events. And so any one of them would have been able to dispute what was written here if it was wrong. But they didn't because it's the truth. There were many, many witnesses to this event. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being sent by them during forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so, first of all, Jesus presented himself alive with many infallible proofs. And so these infallible proofs, these, again, this is not allegory. This is Jesus physically proving that he was there. And notice back in that verse in Corinthians that he was seen by Cephas, then the twelve, right? So his closest disciples. And then it says, after that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present and so when it's talking about the greater part remaining to the present again these are people that would have been able to dispute paul's claim there but they didn't again because it's true so this happened and the fact that we can't explain the resurrection merely means that Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus is God. Because what is impossible for us is nothing for him. He is able to raise himself from the dead. So why should we believe that this happened? Well, because it did happen. It did happen. It's a historical fact. Now, as Christians, why is the resurrection so important to our faith? Well, Paul would later say in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 that the resurrection is the very basis of our faith. It's the foundation of our faith. Without the resurrection, we have nothing to preach about. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. It says, 
And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we only has sorry, if, if in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Wow. So what Paul's saying there, if, if this didn't happen, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, without the resurrection, our faith is empty. Is empty. It doesn't mean anything. Our preaching and our faith, everything that we proclaim, is worth nothing if the resurrection didn't happen. I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be up here uh, preaching emptiness, right? I believe in the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Paul goes a step further and says, we are false witnesses. So not only are we preaching empty nothingness, right? And not only is it vain, but on top of that, we are false witnesses if the resurrection didn't happen. That means that we are actually preaching against what God wants us to. This doctrine is so important because if it is not true, then we are all liars. Also, without the resurrection, we are still in our sins. Without Jesus raising from the grave, everything that we pray and every time we ask for forgiveness for our sins, it's all for nothing. We have to believe in the resurrection because that is the completion of what brings us forgiveness. Then Paul ends with this. He says, without the resurrection, we are the most pitiable out of all men. And so not only are we, not only is our faith empty, not only are we false witnesses, not only are we still in our sins, but we are of all men the most pitiable. That means that instead of us looking at the world and having compassion for the world, if what we are preaching is not true, if the resurrection didn't happen, then the world should have pity on us. So this doctrine of the resurrection, this is foundational to everything it means to be a Christian. We cannot deny the resurrection of Christ and still call ourselves Christians. 
So now I'll, I'll shift this morning a little bit. So why should you personally believe in the resurrection? If you don't believe in Christ already, why should you personally believe in the resurrection? Moving on to the next verses here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. It says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So why should you believe in the resurrection this morning? Well, because you, doing your own way, doing the way of man, that brings death. That brings death to you. But following Christ, that brings life. That brings eternal life. So we believe in this, we should believe in this, because we want to have eternal life with Christ. Let's look at the example of Doubting Thomas, right? Go ahead and turn back to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And this is, you know, right after the resurrection when the disciples are in the house and and Thomas is basically saying he would not believe, right? Well, starting in verse 24, it says, Now Thomas called the twin... Now, remember, we already talked about what the twin meant, was meant that he had this two sides to him. Uh, he had a side that was optimistic and a side that was uh, incredibly pessimistic and doubtful, right? And then it said, so it says, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, the holes in his hand, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eighty day or sorry, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst. And said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so there's an incredible example here. Thomas has this experience with Christ where he literally has to touch Christ's wounds in order to believe. Then Thomas later, he would go on to be martyred. 
See, Thomas's faith became so strong that he was willing to die for that faith. But Jesus tells him here that Thomas is only because you have seen that you have believed. But Jesus says to him, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So that's all of us here. That is all of us here. We were not literally there to see Christ's body after he was raised. But Jesus says, blessed are the ones who have not seen and yet believed. So it is a blessing to have that faith there without actually having to see it. Just the very next verse. This is the whole point of the book of John is all these signs uh, that Jesus showed. This is what we have been going through uh, recently. The whole purpose of the book of John is for us to believe in Jesus. Jesus showed all these wondrous signs. In the very next verses, verses 30 to 31, it says, And truly did Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So why should you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Well, all of those things were written so that you would believe. But then that, that, that last line there that, that John says, and that believing you may have life in his name. So why should we believe? so that we can have life in his name. That is why we need to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and believe in the resurrection. Because his resurrection brings us life. The resurrection not only brings us life, but it brings us victory. It brings us victory. Right there at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 57. This is some of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. It says, but I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, because Jesus died and was buried and rose again, Jesus got the victory there. And through his victory, we also have victory. It's because of this victory that we can sing that old hymn. If you know it, sing it with me. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory to How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his groaning Of his precious blood's atoning then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Amen. At this time, we're going to have a song of invitation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Believe in his death. Believe in his burial. And most of all, believe in his resurrection. We, as that song says, we need to repent of our sins and win that victory. You believe in Jesus this morning and you repent of your sins, you will join in his victory. Do that this morning.